Hello, hello everyone, and welcome to the 18th episode of Season 2 of the Wormburner Podcast. I'm your host, Justin, and for this week, we are going to be talking about a couple things here over in North America. For the most part, we've got the latest news coming out of the Women's National Team Camp as of last night, as well as we're going to hop over to Europe for just a very brief minute and talk about what in the world is going on. On at FC Hollywood. If you don't know who FC Hollywood in Europe is, stay tuned for that. And then we're coming back across the Atlantic Ocean and going over our league breakdown of the week and going over Liga MX in Mexico. I'm looking. I'm really looking forward to this episode, that's for sure. I've been wanting to cover Liga Mekis ever since I've really started this podcast because I feel a very big sense of pride when it comes to local area, even though, of course, I am not of Mexican heritage or anything like that. Just coming from the CONCACAF region and going over the independent and different leagues in the area, it's it's a very big source of pride for me. So that is going to be our league breakdown of the week. If you have not already, check out our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the Wormbrenner Podcast. And if you have not checked out our Twitter for our polls or any of our information on Twitter, check that out at the handle is at Wormburner PDCST. Again, that is Wormburner PDCST. Let's go ahead and get into today's episode. All right. So for the news around the world this week, I really wanted to start off with what had happened last night for the women's national team. Of course, you have to give credit where credit is due and the women overturned their previous game against Canada where they had lost in the semifinal of the 2021 Olympics or the mispl- or the Tokyo Olympics and they beat Canada 1 to 0 to claim the CONCACAF championship and qualify for the 2023 Women's World Cup it was a it was a very very tough and grindy match. I I know that's probably a bad word to explain it, but it was extremely well fought and overall just something that for me in the back of my head, I really, really wanted the women to have that advantage, obviously going into the World Cup next year, having that mentality over Canada to say, yeah, they did win they did win once against us but we were able able to overturn that again and be able to play them and and be the better team in, in all honesty uh, i feel like when it comes to the penalty i this is just me personally i never really truly like games decided on a penalty so like a 1-0 victory on a penalty i i don't really like those of of course when it comes to a very decisive penalty like that's very egregious and very obviously a penalty because you're always going to have people on both sides of the argument saying that wasn't a penalty or yeah of course it was a penalty what are you talking about and 
that's why I really don't like penalty wins or 1-0 wins or 2-1 wins when it comes to a singular penalty coming to the end of a game possibly it's very it, it can be a very controversial way of winning a game and personally that's just the way that I view it nothing against the women's win because it was it was very very well fought and they deserved it to get that win over Canada especially what happened in the Tokyo Olympics with them be, losing to Canada over a penalty as well in the semifinals for the the women's soccer I think that this is a very positive stepping stone and going over mentality is just such an important thing to again say we were able to overturn this result I think if Canada had had I don't want to say somehow but if Canada did beat the United States again that would be a major hurdle going into this next World Cup for the women and just in general I think overall it would have been just a a massive setback a, a tripping over the hurdles as you would or as you would say it it would be a stumbling belt block that the US women's national team in all honesty hasn't really faced they haven't been against an opponent where they have consistently been opposed i i don't mean to be mean to the women's division in general because I think one of the more promising sides when it comes to women's soccer is the English national team. I think that they had a lot of talent in the in the latest World Cup and they were able to really perform. I I would have much rather had them in the final against the US than the Netherlands. I believe if I'm not mistaken the English national team for the women in the last World Cup they played the Netherlands and lost, and then that's what led to the U.S.-Netherlands final. I think that that would have been a better matchup because I think England was a dark horse. But not to get off on a tangent, I feel that now women's soccer is really starting to ramp up and actually be super competitive, and this is nothing but good things when it comes to the overall sport in general, and I think it's an amazing thing, and to mentally have that in check of, okay, we were able to overturn this defeat against Canada that we suffered in Tokyo. I'm so glad that we were able to do this. Let's go into this World Cup and, and claim another title. I think that is definitely achievable, obviously, I with the women's national team. They're very, very good, and they are arguably favorites when it comes to some pundits and some uh, professionals when it comes to the sport of soccer overlooking women's the women's world cup i definitely think that they can win another world cup just having that mental blockage going into a game of oh we've lost to them twice like it would have been very hard for the women to be able to, or I think it would have been hard for the women to overturn that mentality if they had lost to Canada, but they didn't. We don't need to be going on that tangent anymore because the women are the CONCACAF champions. Congratulations to them. Very much well-deserved, and I look forward to seeing them in the 2023 World Cup for the for the women. So going over to, to Germany, a previous... World Cup winner in its own right for the men, I definitely think that 
we have to talk about what is going on at FC Hollywood, or for those of you that don't know, that is the nickname to Bayern Munich or Bayern München in Germany. I think that they have made some very positive signings overall in this transfer market. Saudi Omane to Bayern Munich is something I did not see coming. Holy cow. They were able to sign a world-class player and... I feel that that has really, really strengthened their front line. And obviously, any any improvement with Saudi Omani to a front line, you're you're really going strong. And they had just they just announced as of I believe Tuesday, or maybe it might be going on Wednesday when this episode airs, that Matthias Delict has signed with Bayern Munich as well, which is just adding to the roster that they have, the talent that they have on their books. I think that is a very solid signing, especially with the fact that Nicolas Sula had left to, I believe if I'm not mistaken, Borussia Dortmund. And it's just a phenomenal signing for Bayern Munich and one that I feel really helps move the team forward because when when I look at Bayern Munich, there is one thing that is always consistently right with them and that they're very smart with their money. They don't go after extremely lavish players unless they know that they can get them like Sadio Mane, Mane for example. I did not think that that was a, a reachable transfer and I am so glad that I was proven wrong because it just shows the capability that Byron has to get a player of that stature to their club and just overall being able to have again the stature to go to a young 22-year-old Matthias Delict and say hey you may have not have had the best time with Juventus and being the golden boy there and have the quote-unquote world on your shoulders for Juventus in that sense, they are they have been able to take him and put him into a system, and I think he will be very good for Bayern Munich. I genuinely enjoy the German league when it comes to development and when it comes to just overall technical play, and I think that Matthias will really, really be a massive, massive improvement, even though he may not have had the career that he wanted going from Ajax to Juventus. This is a very good step for him, in my opinion, to get his career back on track. I mean, he's only 22. I say this, that it completely derailed a soccer career. I I don't mean it like that. He he had a setback going to Juventus, in my opinion, and I think that when it comes to the disappointing results from Juventus that Matthias was blamed for, some, maybe more than some, of those problems when it came to Juventus, but to go to a team like Bayern and to be able to reset that, I think it is a very positive thing for him in general. And I very much look forward to seeing what he can do going forward. Now, going to the transfer that has been on everyone's mind and one personally that I 
just don't see happening. I don't want to get on this hype train of, oh, he could go here and all this. And, and I just feel that it would be a very bad investment if Bayern Munich go for Cristiano Ronaldo. That is my opinion. I know that there are some pundits that would say otherwise. And I don't mean to go against the grain here, but that's that's just something to me personally that looking at the mentality that Bayern Munich have, I don't think that they would get a player like Cristiano Ronaldo through the door if they could get somebody else that could eventually be to their potential liking in the future. And when you're talking about a replacement for a player like Robert Lewandowski, which has officially gone to Barcelona, if you don't know, they need to replace him. And while Cristiano Ronaldo is a very enticing result or a very enticing transfer, I don't think it's the right one. And I think Bayern Munich are looking past him. I think... For me, looking at the transfers that Bayern Munich are looking at, personally for me, looking at two outlandish transfers between Cristiano Ronaldo and Neymar, for me, I feel like a Neymar transfer would be more plausible than a Cristiano Ronaldo transfer to to Bayern Munich. And a lot of people would be like, what? No, I, (laughs) I, I genuinely believe that because I don't feel that Ronaldo would fit the way that Bayern Munich want to play. They would have to change everything for Cristiano Ronaldo. And some teams are, and some clubs are able to do that. You can change the entire club for Cristiano Ronaldo. But I don't think, looking at Bayern Munich's philosophy and the way that they run the club, I don't think that they would give up that philosophy to sign a player like Cristiano Ronaldo. That's my opinion. I definitely think that it could happen. I'm not saying that, but Neymar would be more possible if that's the case. Now, going forward, I think I want to throw my hat into the ring when it comes to potential transfers to replace Robert Lewandowski. I think the two that a lot of people are starting to gain a lot of traction for and seeing like, hey, I think that this player could really be a good replacement long-term for Robert Lewandowski, that massive hole that he's left in the in the front line for Bayern Munich. The two that I've seen the most, or sorry, one I've seen the most, and then my, one of my suggestions, the one that I've seen the most is Victor Osman from Napoli. While I agree, I think there can be a better transfer for a a club like Bayern Munich. And that's where I want to go to my potential when it comes to Lautaro Martinez, another Serie A striker from Inter. Having Lukaku back at the club, I think Martinez would be less likely to leave, especially having that success with Lukaku at Inter, it's possible, but I don't know if that would be would interest him. And 
being the young player that he is, maybe he wants to step out, go to a club like the Bundesliga, and just develop on his own, maybe away from Lukaku. I don't know what Martinez's personality and the way that he's he's taking his position at Inter. I think he's happy at Inter, especially with the way that they've had their results the previous two years. But going forward, I think that that could be a potential option for Bayern Munich. And another one that I think is an outside shout, but overall could maybe be a very short term. And this is this is really, really, really controversial, especially the fact that I literally just said that they wouldn't want Cristiano Ronaldo, but they may want to sign Luis Suarez. And I think that is a very outside shout because of the fact that he's been out of contract for so long and going to a club like Bayern Munich, that wouldn't really solve too, too much, but I think it could solve the problem for a year because he is a a very good player regardless of his age and regardless of how long he's been out of the out of the scene out of soccer. I think he could maybe pull a move like that. It, it would solve it for a year till they can pull in another replacement and possibly even get somebody better than than him. I don't know who off the top of my head, other than possibly Victor Osman or Lautaro Martinez, if he maybe becomes unsettled at Inter, I think that it could really go either way when it comes to Bayern Munich and the way that they are going. But I wanted to cover that news because there's been so much going on in Germany when it came to Bayern Munich. I wanted to cover it, and I think it's just phenomenal that they're able to pull in these names, pull these talents from other leagues and it seems like they are starting to assert their dominance again where they've where they've been less dominant in previous years I think they are reasserting themselves as the dominant force in Germany and I'm looking forward to it honestly because they have a good amount of talent especially Leroy Sané because I mean ex-Manchester City player of course but (laughs) I think that they are really assembling a, a very good squad, and I look forward to it. So that is going to be the around the world for this week. Let's go ahead and skip back over to Mexico and talk about Liga MX for the breakdown of the week. All right, so for this week, the league breakdown is Liga MX in Mexico, and what a treat I have for you guys this week. So, if you don't know, Liga MX was originally founded on the 17th of October, 1943, 78 years ago. But when the Liga MX was founded, it was not originally in the format that it is today. When it was first founded, it was a standard league of basically you play each team twice and then the league champion was crowned from there well. It changed a little bit into a playoff competition later on after the 1970 World Cup in Mexico. This led to a very large boom and of course respectively the league had a massive improvement in overall talent and 
interest in the sport, and that's what led to this playoff being created to dis- to determine a champion of the league. Now, it wasn't until the 2012-2013 season that the Apertura and Clausura format was adopted into Mexico, and it has been an absolute pleasure to see whenever you are able to watch the Mexican League. I know that when it comes to the American side, I know that there are, at least where I am in Florida, there are multiple different Spanish outlets where you can watch Liga MX games, and it, it's just an overall treat to watch. Yes, I, I may not speak fluent Spanish, but still, it's a it's a treat to just be able to watch and it also helps as a benefit because I get to pick up Spanish in the process and hopefully I'm, I'm getting a little more fluent. But anyways, the, it's not about me learning a language. It's about the Mexican League. And as I stated, that 2012-2013 season was when the Apertura and Clausura format was adopted. And for those that had missed maybe the previous years that we were or the previous competitions that have this Apertura and Clausura, let me explain. So the Apertura is the open and Clausura is closing of a season. In the Apertura, you play each team in the league once, and the top 12 teams in Mexico specifically, they play in a playoff setting. So the top four teams automatically qualify for the quarterfinals, and the fifth place team through 12th place team play in a one-off game to make it into the quarterfinals. It then goes from there, and then the champion of the Apachora is crowned. Going to the Clausora, I know it's going to be super hard, but it's the exact same thing. Uh, giving you a little bit of a hard time, guys. You play each team again once in the Clausura. Again, the top 12 teams qualify for this playoff to crown the champion the top four teams automatically qualify for the quarterfinals and fifth place through 12th play a game against each other to cement their place in the quarterfinals and the playoff goes from there to determine the clausura champion for that year when it comes to overall champions of the mexican league There is one team that may not be the most dominant team, but it is one that has, of course, won the most leagues, and that is Club America with 13 titles under their belt. The first one in 1965, and the latest one in the Apachura of 2018. In second place, you have Club Deportivo Guadalajara, or as other people in Mexico refer to this team as Chivas. They have won a grand total of 12 league titles under their belt. The first one in 1956, and the latest one is the Clausura of the 2017 season, going to third place with 10 titles under their belt. It is Deportivo Toluca Football Club, And again, with 10 titles under their belt, the first one in 1966 and the latest one in the Clausura of the 2009-10 season. 
going to fourth place with nine titles under their belt. It is Cruz Azul. They have won the title nine times, the first one being in 1968 and the latest one being in the clausura of the 2021 season. And then in fifth place, rounding out our top five, you have Club Leon with eight titles under their belt. The first one in 1947-48 and the latest one being the Apertura for the 2020 season. That rounds up our champions of the Mexican League or Liga MX, going to teams that have never been relegated. It is a very interesting conversation to have because I I know when it comes to some of the other leagues that I've covered, the leagues have changed so much that it is very hard to determine or in-depth research needs to be made to find the le- the team that has never been relegated. Well, f- with this one, there hasn't been too many changes to the overall format. We know there are two teams that have never been relegated from Liga MX. Those two teams are Club America and Club Deportivo Guadalajara or Divas have never been relegated their first Season in Liga MX was the founding year in 1943. Now, for the interesting fact of the week, I don't want to put a whole ton of information on Club America because I don't want to show bias, but there is a very interesting saying when it club comes to Club America. Club America is itself in Mexico has so many different rivals and because of this they've actually created a phrase for their fans to essentially relish this moment and I felt like that this would be an interesting fact for you all to learn that is the quote that Club America fans have come up with because they have so many rivals in the Mexican League is Oreame Mas or Hate Me More, which that just sends a shiver down my spine every single time I hear it. It's such a powerful statement for a club that has not one, not two, but three different rivals. I... I feel that that is why it should be our interesting fact of the week this week. Now, before I forget the other competition, let's go ahead and go to the Copa MX, which is the domestic cup competition in Mexico. It was first founded in 1907. The reason for it being founded so early is due to the fact that when it came to the Mexican League, there was no professional league until the 1943 season, but there were amateur sides in Mexico before then, and so from then on out, that is what led to the Copa MX setup in Mexico, and we're going to be going off of the winners in the professional era, so from 1943 onward, so that way we don't have to go back into the other ones and 
go into that. Although, if you want to go into that, let me know on Twitter and or our Facebook or message me and say, hey, I would genuinely be interested in this. And if it garners enough, I would be happy to do an episode over the history when it comes to the amateur era of the Copa MX. So for the professional era, the number one team that has the most championships in the Copa MX is Club America with six titles under their belt. In second place, you have Club Leon with five titles matching Club Puebla with five as well. You have Deportivo Guadalajara with four titles under their belt. You also have Cruz Azul in fifth place with four titles. And then in sixth place, also tying with four and seventh place with four is Atlas and Deportivo Necas. I hope I didn't mispronounce that, but Necas, Deportivo Necas. Uh, I hope I didn't pronounce that wrong, but that wraps up our Copa MX breakdown being what the longest cup competition in Mexico for over 115 years. That is going to wrap up our show for this week. I hope you guys enjoyed the league breakdown as well as the information on the women's national team and FC Hollywood. I hope you guys have an amazing, amazing day and going into an amazing week as well. I hope you guys are able to go outside, play soccer when you can, and just overall have an amazing, amazing time. If you have not already, check out our Facebook, facebook.com forward slash the Wormburner Podcast. And if you have not checked out our Twitter, our Twitter handle is at Wormburner PDCST. Again, that is Wormburner PDCST. I will see you guys in the next episode. Stay safe. Have fun, love soccer, and I'll see you guys next week. Ciao, everyone.